Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Good morning from AUKUS. This is Leonard Buller, uh, academic orthopedic surgeon at Indiana University, and I'm happy to be in person. Hi, I'm Mark Mildred. I'm in private practice in Eugene, Oregon at the Slocum Center for Orthopedics. Happy to be at AUKUS in person for the podcast. Hi, I'm Jenna Bernstein. I'm an academic surgeon at Yale University in Connecticut, and I am looking forward to my podcast debut. We're coming to you from the AUKUS annual meeting in Dallas. On today's podcast, we'll hear from members of the Advocacy Committee, Chick Yates, Max Courtney, and Shad Kruger. I'm Max Courtney. I'm a hip and knee replacement surgeon with the Rothman Institute. I'm Chick Yates, and I'm a hip and knee surgeon with the University of Pittsburgh. I'm Chad Kruger. I'm a hip and knee surgeon at the Rothman Institute as well. Thank you guys for being with us to talk a little bit more about advocacy within AUKUS and what our members should be doing. So what's one piece of advice you would give to members who are looking to get more involved with advocacy and know that this is going to make a big difference for us as practicing surgeons in the future and, and now? I'll take that very much. The first thing is they should participate in the Political Action Committee and remember that AUKUS decided not to have its own PAC because it decided that there was power in numbers and the numbers are being generated by the Academy's PAC and we're variably the first or second largest PAC within medicine and it's very important that we maintain that. It's a uh, it's a well-run organization and there's a lot of bang for the buck and things like the Surprise Billing Act, for instance, is a recent win, and it really does make a difference. The second thing I would say is, is that everyone should remember that politics are local. The whole process is always local, and you can do more by getting to know your local state and national representatives than doing anything else and making yourself apparent to them. And you carry weight when you go to your local representative. As a physician, you represent a lot of patients. You represent a lot of people that are shared with the Congress and with uh, your state legislature. And I think it's very important that you allow that recognition to be seen and, and to grow. And it may take a few years, but if you're constantly beating on the drum of the uh, local rep or congressman, you will find that you become well known to them and actually a resource in the future. I agree with you, Chick. I think one of the issues that a lot of younger members have is feeling that it's overwhelming to call their Congress member or go to their office or participate in in any of those activities that are are critically important to our profession. I think when you're trying to get started, just understand that all it takes is one step. You don't have to do all of the advocacy efforts, you know, in the first year of of your participation. You can find someone like yourself or, or Max, who's been a great mentor to myself as well, in terms of figuring out how can I get involved? How can I partner with you? What are you doing? And how can I assist with that? And I think a lot of members, just like anything else in life, the more involved you get, the more you understand, which then spurns more involvement. Uh, So you don't have to be an expert to get started. You don't have to be hosting fundraisers right away. All we ask is that you take a little step in terms of maybe donating money to the PAC or participating in maybe an email 
or social media campaign that we have ongoing. And once you do that, there is powers and numbers like you mentioned earlier, and it does make it a little bit easier for you to understand kind of what's going on because it can be a confusing, health policy can be a confusing field and certainly something that not a lot of younger members maybe feel comfortable with right away. Well, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And one of the things is, is that as a constituent, the staffers in the local office, it's their job to hear everybody in the district. And if you approach the staffers by phone or even just stop in the office, leave your card and say, it would be really great if I could talk to the aide or the the staffer that's working with health. I would love to have a conversation with them. And you'd be surprised at how readily they do respond, especially uh, with the weight that you carry as a professional and as someone that has some status within the community that's been well earned. I think, to Chick's point, I'll give another plug to the OrthoPAC because they, they really are the, the group that's representing our issues. And like Chad said, no, you don't need to pick up the phone and start going to your congressman's office. It's the first thing that you're doing. But we're very lucky to have organizations like AUKUS, which was founded as an advocacy organization for our patients and our profession, and then the Academy's PAC. So I think if you really want to start at the the basics, which is one thing I think we can continue our discussion, or you need to understand that the issues facing orthopedic surgeons and hip and knee replacements in general, I would bet the average AUKUS member probably doesn't have a good grip on ruck review and misvalued codes and surprise billing. And I think that's the, the first place that you need to start. You need to understand some of the issues that we're facing. Are there things through advocacy that someone that has not been involved with this in the past can kind of learn and maybe follow almost an algorithm to talk to somebody? I can tell you going and talking to a congressman for me would be incredibly intimidating. Are there ways through the OrthoPAC that we can kind of get talking points? We can kind of learn how to do this. Absolutely. So if you're a a resident, you're a fellow, you're still in training. The PAC has several. We're we're doing a virtual pub crawl. That's the first week of December. There's ways to get involved with that. The PAC also will have local fundraiser events for congressmen and senators that come in and out of town that they can invite you to, they can have you, you show up to. They have form letters that we're writing to CMS, that we're writing to congressmen on different committees like Ways and Means and Energy and Commerce that we've targeted. And just having, to, to Chick's point, politics is local. Having those relationships, your congressmen like hearing personal stories. And we have stories because we take care of patients in their, their district. And all of the politics, in national politics now, has just become so hyper-partisan. But when you break everything down, all the issues that we're arguing are, are nonpartisan. We're talking about how much we value arthroplasty care and alternative payment models and Medicare physician fee schedule cuts. I mean, these are nonpartisan, non-hot-button topics. And most congressmen and women on both sides of the aisle are, are receptive to us. And I'll share one story with the Medicare physician fee schedule cuts. For, for those that aren't aware, we got cut. Uh, it ended up being about 3% last year. And they poured, uh, and in the last COVID bill, the last week of the year, they put $3 billion into the Medicare physician fee schedule cut. And we've been trying to push that and get that added on its one line in a 2,000-page bill. And I got a text from one of Roger Marshall's staffers before it got passed just to let you know like we were fighting for you like we we got this line this one line in the bill that added three billion dollars to offset some of the cuts to the medicare physician fee schedule so the point of that is yes politics is local and advocacy works having those relationships can turn into outcomes and positive stuff for us yeah i try to tell 
my residents and my uh, my kids that half of life is showing up, but the other half is having something to show for it when you do. And one of the key things is a lot of this stuff that seems so intimidating, look it up, just do a search, and you'll find that there are sound bites out there, there's information from the academy, from AUKUS, from other surgical professional groups, and before you know it, you're gonna walk into the office with a young staffer and you're, you may actually know more than they know, and it's one of the things that is taught when you go on the Hill. Before you start a conversation with anybody in Congress or even their staff, Ask them what do they know about the topic, and you'll find that you're walking in as the expert. And you then explain it to them and explain to them how it affects patients and how it affects patient access, it affects patient safety. And always remember that it really needs to stay about the patients. Our reimbursement isn't something that's going to cause a lot of crocodile tears on Capitol Hill. But if the possibility that there'll be fewer of us in the future and fewer of us that do what we do could affect access is a reasonable argument that's not always accepted, but it's something that it's reasonable to bring up. And, and doing this a couple times, so when you do want to get more involved, the Academy has uh, NOLC, AUKUS has Hill Visit Days once a year before the pandemic, or even twice a year. We would have several members come down to D.C. They'd set up, our, our lobbyists are, do a great job of setting up all these meetings so we can talk with our local representatives. And to Chick's point, right, we, we do 1.2 million joint replacements in this country every year. Like our, we, We've touched a lot of, whether they're members of Congress that have had their joints replaced, place or their families or their relatives and spinning that story from a a personal standpoint after being in the room with chick and doing this a bunch of times since we're the pennsylvania group together and he'll often start asking oh have you had a hip or a knee replacement or do you have a family member who has had a hip or knee replacement because most of the time they've had and because we do very successful surgeries and our patients are happy it's usually a positive response that the staffers or the members that you're talking to can relate to Yeah, and I don't want to forget that it's great to talk about the national issues and the issues that are being addressed in D.C., but it's very important that you remember that every state has its own issues, and every state has very important issues in terms of malpractice, in terms of access, in terms of Medicaid, how it's run. And one of the really great resources that is really easy to plug into and that is oftentimes begging for help is the state society. You'd be surprised at how many state societies live off of maybe five or six guys or gals that just keep on doing the job every year. But most state societies would bend over backwards to have you come in and be part of what they're doing and to help out at your state capitol and to be part of their um, advocacy. And I know that's true in a state as large as Pennsylvania. Yeah, where the PA Ortho Society struggle with membership. But I think that's important to understand for the members that are listening to the, the podcast. So the AOS pack is a federal pack, but the, the state issues are huge. And that's going to be certificate of need laws. Chick talked about Medicaid access, tort reform with malpractice stuff, stuff that has as much, if not more of an impact for you and your practice as a lot of the federal legislation does. So and if you're curious about the impact of that, you know, Texas with the pre-certification, they basically got like the gold card passed at a state level and that's looked at nationally. And I mean, those are local issues that again, become national quite quickly as well, but they impact all of us. 
Yeah, as someone who's just starting to get more involved, I could say I found that to be really true. I just recently started to work with our Connecticut's Orthopedic Society. I found them to be way more receptive than I even thought they would ever be immediately and clearly wanted more people to be involved and and are doing a lot of important work that affects very easily what we're doing. So, And especially when you're younger, getting involved with the state society means far less distance to travel, far less interruption in your practice, but it can have as much impact as anything else. And remember, a lot of these relationships are for the long term, and people starting with all this in their 30s are going to find that some of the people they've made contact with in the state are their, eventually their congressional representatives or their senators in 15, 20 years, and they never expected it. And it's very important that you've been there from the beginning with those people. Major pushes for advocacy for the following year. And I guess the follow-up question is, do you see the midterms changing things in a couple of years? You kind of alluded to these are bipartisan issues. But with the midterms coming up, do we see potential changes that are on the horizon? I don't think the elections are going to change a whole lot. I think we continue to get hosed by (laughs) both both either party and either the administration. Because at the end of the day, what it comes down to from the government's perspective is it comes down to saving money. And that's whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. CMS is trying to cut costs. Medicare's largest inpatient expenditure is still hip and knee replacement. And we're an easy target. That's why they go after hip and knee replacements, because we're an easy target. I think the 30,000-foot view is how hip and knee replacements are getting devalued over time. Right. I mean, and again, you can't talk about this from a surgeon standpoint, but if you look at all the work that we've done over the last, specifically the last decade, right? I mean, I was a resident 10 years ago. People were spending four days in the hospital. People were getting CPMs, drains, morphine PCAs, Lovenox and Coumadin for DVT prophylaxis. Uh, Everybody's going to rehab and we don't do any of that anymore. We've done a much better job of preoperative optimization, patients with diabetes and anemia and getting all their cardiac clearance, DVT prophylaxis, wound drainage with aspirin and transexamic acid, communication with patients, uh, minimizing their pain, multimodal pain protocols, all of these things that have helped improve our outcomes, but under formulas that value procedural codes, the way that our system is set up, by discharging people home quicker and doing more and more outpatient procedures, we're getting financially penalized for improving our patient outcomes. And I think that's going to be the the big push after we just took a cut for hip and knee replacements last year. The medical infrastructure has been forgotten. And all this talk about different types of infrastructure and with a generational loss of health care talent retiring or quitting out of being burnt out from COVID or anything else, we're going to be facing some real healthcare provider shortages here for the next year or so. And I think it's very important that when you are talking to the people on the Hill or in your state, that you keep that in mind and keep in mind that they need to be thinking about answers to medical infrastructure. So as we seek to increase the voice and expand the voice of advocacy in our constituents and in AUKUS. What have you found to be either the most meaningful or a meaningful experience to get them excited about doing these advocacy events and getting involved? I think one is the hill visits and a lot of the the in-person stuff and it's not just meeting the staffers and anything but it's networking with 
colleagues like Chick. I mean, that, that's how I've met him through all these advocacy events. And you learn to talk about it more. You learn how to present your point to the staffers and to the public who you're talking about, right? We don't go up and say, well, we're mad because they're cutting our pay. How you frame it, because it is an access issue to patients. So I think building relationships with your own surgeons who are excited about advocacy, who are excited about fighting for our patients' issues in our profession. I do it by trying to make it real clear to uh, my residents and to any residents that I uh, have access to or even medical students that I'm pretty darn sure that 99% of them are a lot smarter than I am. And if a poor, shy country doctor from Butler, PA can get involved in this, they sure as hell can. And I try to point out to them, you know, the times that it's made a difference. And I try to uh, do that. I give a lecture the week after every OITE that's about health care. It's about what you need to know about MACRA, MVP, CJR, bundled care, why you have to be involved and why it's important. And it's well received. And uh, we've been able to generate a lot of volunteers out of our residency that have uh, done things with the various different opportunities that exist for residents in terms of the resident assembly for the academy and for the healthcare fellowships. So that's how I like to approach it. I hope that answers the question. Well, and, and I think it's important everyone understands, especially the younger members listening to this podcast, like this is our future, right? And if we don't take control of it or try to help with the narrative that, that has grown, like it's going to change and not in our benefit. And we really have to take ownership of the profession that we've all gotten into uh, to try to improve it, not only for ourselves, but more importantly for our patients. And uh, if we don't do that, no one's going to do that for us. And, and I really hope that everything that's happened in the past five or 10 years that message is very clear, but unfortunately, like we're the only ones who can provide any type of solution in that regard. Great points, Chad. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.